Hello and welcome to the Felsafe Fitness Golf Show episode number six. My name is Michael Joshua. I am the owner of Felsafe Fitness Limited. I help all manner of people around the world, predominantly in the UK, to improve their golf games. So fitness, nutrition, exercise, mobility, improving their course management, short game, long game, and their approach play. Uh, this is a podcast that's run for the last 12 months uh, as the Felsafe Fitness Show. Now it's the Felsafe Fitness Golf Show. We are all in on your golf health, fitness, and ability. So welcome to the show. If you listen to the other episodes, you'll know what goes on. So we do a little bit of a promotion of what we're up to, what I've been up to, what the company's up to, we're going to talk about what's coming up next for the PGA Tour, the LPGA, the LET, the DP World, and Live. We'll go through a, a fitness portion of the show. We'll also talk about three news stories that have caught my eye over the last week. And, of course, we'll do a tip of the show as well. And it's been a fun week. I mean, weather in the UK has been very volatile, so it's been beautiful and nice and calm and then it's absolutely hammered it down and unfortunately the golf course that i coach at isn't open yet um but i am still coaching so if anybody does want to come and join me i'm doing simulator based training and some short game so bunker play and approach play for inside 30 yards uh, onto our final green so if you still do still want some coaching, that is still available. Three for two all the way through February. So £20 an hour, £40 for three hours. You can split that any way you like and have three one-hour lessons. You can have two 90-minute sessions, or we can go all in and get you all sorted in a three-hour session. The choice is yours. So three for two is available for the rest of February. And will be disappearing come the 1st of March. Uh, max purchase of three of those. So you can get nine hours of golf coaching and performance coaching for the price of six. And like I say, it's been an interesting week. I've had a few clients this week come back to me. Uh, been struggling a little bit over the winter. They've been struggling with tea. Distance is a problem. Uh, especially here in the UK, temperatures have been hovering around single figures and even minus figures at some some occasions. Uh, there's a viral video um, gone up going doing the rounds on social media, uh, Instagram in particular, where someone's hit a I think it's a seven iron into a par three, and the ball's bounced off a basically frozen green 30 feet in the air and disappeared somewhere into the woods. Uh, and that's kind of the, the conditions we get to play here in, in Mod Island in the UK. So, um, yeah, <laughs> people come into me struggling. I'm struggling my wedges. I'm struggling my short game. I'm struggling to stop the ball. I'm struggling to get the ball there. They're, they're all the same. But, you know, your game through the winter needs to be different to what it is through the summer. Um, I adopted a, a two driver and, and sort of four to six wedge policy. So my wedges in the winter are a little bit more bounced to help me get through the mud and the sludge. 
I use a higher lofted driver in the winter to uh, increase flight time rather than hit the same driver and try and hit it harder. I'm trying to hit a higher ball flight, knowing the ball's not going to roll anywhere. So I prefer the higher carry, higher launch, higher carry, because I know it's not rolling anywhere once it hits the ground, unless it's frozen. So yeah, that's that's the way I tend to do things. But it's been a good week. Uh, I think clients are very happy. I'm very happy with what they're doing. They're very happy with what I do. And of course, it's been nice to see golf on TV. It's about now, I said this last week, um, it's about now that the golf tournaments get interesting. So, you know, I kind of started the American Express. This is okay. And then it moves on to the farmers, which is all right. And now you hit waste management. And we'll get on to that a little bit later. There's a little news story about that. You know, waste management is a, is a big event on the calendar. And obviously it's followed then by we've got Genesis coming up. Uh, which is Tigers hosted event. Then we've got, you know, the likes of the players and, you know, Arnold Palmer. And it won't be long before Masters. And then we're into we're into major season. Uh, and I think there's a bit of a like Masters and a, there's a couple of other events. And then, like the the PGA turns up. And then it's a bit of a lull, and you've got like the US Open and another bit of a lull, and you go into there's a couple of events, two or three events before, like we've got the Scottish Open and then the Open, you know, they're months down the line. But yeah, everything's starting to warm up. This is about now where kind of the golf world, kind of, well, who's who's doing what? And last year it was John Ram was, I think he won, was it three out of five or four out of five tournaments or something stupid at the start of the year. And Scotty Sheffield won three or three out of five tournaments and, you know, those two were ding-donging over, and now we've lost Ram. We've lost Hatton, um, which is a shame, because John Ram, for me, obviously being Europe, he was a big stalwart of the, of the European side that won the Ryder Cup, and him going to live, that hurt. And I think Rory, Rory's opinion, well, that's it. We're not going to win. And i got to agree with him. I don't think we have – we have some talented guys in Europe, but we don't have a John Ram replacement. I mean, Oberg is fantastic, but he's unproven. You know, Ram's been around seven, eight, nine, almost a decade in the sport, if you take his college into account. And he's grown and grown and grown. Oberg come onto the tour, he's done okay, but he's not a John Rahm. He's not an imposing figure. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a, it's, it's fun over the next couple of months is really people start to take interest and obviously all the new equipment that come out as well people are asking me am i going to do any reviews i'm going to do this i'm going to go and hit a couple of drivers i'm going to go and hit a couple of sets of irons but this isn't really a show about club reviews i'll do a little bit of information and stuff and this and that and the other and what my opinions on it but not really a review show unfortunately Right, let's crack into it, shall we? So this week, uh, this coming week, the PGA goes back to Riviera. The Genesis Open, uh, obviously Tiger Woods' accident a couple of years ago, uh, and I, I believe Tiger is obviously still a host and is going to be playing this week. Um, he wanted to do one a, one a month, 
it's now February. He didn't do December or January. So maybe we'll get him to see him a couple of times before the Masters. Maybe this one and maybe the Arnold Palmer or something. Or the players before we go to the Masters. Would be nice to see Tiger play. But, you know, I'm of the opinion I've skipped his entire career. I stopped watching golf really in 99. Uh, so knew of him, but didn't really. And then it was in 2019. So it was 20 years I was away from the sport. No of him, but his records are absolutely insane. Uh, so yeah, it's PGA Tour go to Genesis. We'll, we'll see how he's playing. We'll see what's going on. No tips this week. I'm not going to do that. Else. My tips were awful for last week. LPGA Tour, they're not. Officially on the LPGA Tour this this week, uh, they've got the Honda Classic, I think, on the 22nd uh, of February. The Ladies European Tour, they're actually in Riyadh for the Saudi International. So a lot of the LPGA players will be going to the LET event, uh, the Aramco event at Saudi in Riyadh. Um, Lydia Ko is defending champion. There's a $5 million purse. So a lot of the big players are going to be in Saudi uh, on the on the ladies tours uh, this week. DP World Tour, they're somewhere nice and hot as well. They're in Kenya, um, in Nairobi for the Kenyan Open. Uh, and no live, obviously lives had a couple of back to back weeks. Um, John Ram still without a win, which is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, Liv's next event is the March 1st to the 3rd in Saudi. So, you know, the, the tour goes home, shall we say. Uh, that's, that's where they're going to be next week. So I've done my little promotion. We know where everybody's going to be playing next week. So let's talk about, uh, your fitness. Now, I'm a man who, over the pandemic, has put two and a half, three stone on. Um, I ballooned from about, one, about 100 kilo, which, because I was an Olympic lifter, went from about 100 kilo all the way up to 120. I've managed to drop um, sort of 11 kilo of that. I want to drop another 11 or 12 this year. I want to get back down to sub 100 if not even sub 95 kilo this year so i'm in the gym uh, and the one thing that has made a big difference to me is deadlifts uh, whenever i've lifted heavy or i've lifted multiple you know reps i find deadlifts help burn fat they help build some muscle and they've certainly helped with my golf game um they help me produce some more leg force to help me turn a little bit harder a little bit faster and obviously giving me that stable base with some, some nice chunky legs and a, a good strong core to help me rotate through the ball. So here's a little tip. If you're going to do deadlifts, there are many ways to do them. But we're, I'm talking specifically about barbell deadlifts this week. So you've got a barbell in front of you. What I want you to do is that first week, I want you to go and do, set yourself um, eight-minute time limit. And every, at least every 90 seconds, make an attempt at whatever weight. 
So if you get to the end of end of that nine minutes, eight eight or nine minutes, and you're you still feel like you can lift more, put something on that you as a very last attempt. So figure out your one rep max uh, in that nine minutes, and then go back to it. Give it a couple of three days rest, and then go back go into your workout. What I want you to do is this: if you're using barbell deadlifts, I tend to use. I've never really been a high reps kind of a guy because of the weightlifting. It was a one rep max. You've got to pick up a, you know, you've got to clean and jerk. You've got to snatch. You're picking up something that's a barbell that's heavy. So what I've said is, uh, take your one rep max. We're going to say, for instance, it's 100 kilos. So you take your 100 kilo. You're going to take 10% off that which gives you 90%, uh, 90 kilo even. So 100 kilo is your one rep max. That's your absolute limit. You can't pick any more up. Take 10% off, which is 90%. And we're going to class that 90 kilo, 90% of your one rep max as your one rep max. That 90% is now your one rep max. And if you're going to do, like me, you're going to try and build some strength to build a bigger base and try and build a core build some strong muscle, not fast muscle, five by five, and I want you to go 70% of that 90%. So 90 kilo, you're going to go, you know, so that's 90 kilo is your one rep max. You're going to go 70% of that, which is 63 kilos. So 63 kilos, you're going to go five sets of five. And if you if you are breezing through that, then add another two to two and a half, three kilo onto the barbell for the week after. But if you're wanting to build some leaner muscle and you want to build some, some obviously the five by five is going to build a lot of strength and a lot more content to the muscle, but a leaner muscle, you want to do three by 10. And so three sets of 10 reps and we're going to take that 90 kilo, which is your one rep max, minus 10%. So that, that becomes your one rep max of 90 kilos. You're going to lift 10 reps of half of that. So if you're going to do five by five, I recommend 70%. And if you're going to do three, 10 reps, I recommend you do 50%. So 45 kilos and 63 kilos and do that and just keep building that. And if you get, to, if like I say, if you're doing three sets of 10, I really, ideally, by the third set, you want to be almost failing at seven reps. So I want you to do the first set, great, you're fresh. Second set, you're struggling towards the end. And then third set, I want you to basically fail. If you're not basically on the verge of failing at the end of that 10th rep on the third set, then the week after, I want you to add some more weight to the bar. And the same applies for the five by five and the heavy. So if that's 63 kilo, you're just going five easy, five easy, five easy, five easy, five okay. Add another two, three, maybe even seven kilo up that. And then every four weeks from then on, I want you to, I mean, you might feel a little bit rough one day. You might need to drop the weight down. So you, you know how your body works, but five by five do seventy percent and three times ten do fifty percent. But obviously your one rep max take ten percent off it. 
and then use those figures as your one rep max. And obviously by doing this, you're going to be building some big, strong legs. You're going to build some core and grip strength. Grip strength doesn't sound like a lot, but having a light grip, so being able to have a powerful grip as well, if you need to hack it out of some thick rough, particularly early on in the year and later on in the year in the UK where the grass starts to get a little longer and is a little longer because, you know, either clubs can't cut it or they can't get to it properly. Having the, the grip strength to be able to hold on to the club and, and whip it through the ball, deadlifts are going to be absolutely perfect to help build you that muscle and that strength. So let's talk about news, shall we? News for this week. Well, the thing that was a couple of things that came out of this week. Uh, John Ram didn't win again on Live. Um, quite surprising, but DJ won. Um, and the other thing to come out of Live Las Vegas was Tommy Fleetwood was spotted, sort of skulking about. Didn't really want to be noticed. Um, so is Tommy Fleetwood going to live? I mean, the man hasn't won on the PGA Tour, hasn't won a major, and I know he said in a, a Rick Shields interview a while back that he has a dream and he wants to do it. If he doesn't get to that dream, he wants to go on number one, he wants to win a, you know, an Open Championship. I think if he does get a win on the PGA Tour this year or gets a major, that may change. But I think if he doesn't get that this year, and I don't think in this, I think once the Open's done, I think if he doesn't get what he wants this year, Tommy, who now lives out in Dubai, has got his own um, academy in Dubai. Is the people in his ear in Dubai from the PIF going, well, just come here? Well, look, after your academy, you'll be safe. You'll be set for the rest of your life. Don't worry about the PGA Tour. Don't worry about your legacy. Your legacy will live on. Kind of like Ian Pulse from the Westwood. His Ryder Cup legacy is pretty much cemented. I think John Ram jumped ship a little early. We all know what Tommy's capable of, and that fighting spirit, etc., etc. Everybody remembers Mollywood. Um, so does Tommy say, okay, I'll go and potentially ruin his chances of, of being in majors again? Or does he wait till after the Open? And then if he doesn't have a great year, he just decides, well, I'm out in Dubai. I may as well go and enjoy my life and just play 14 rounds, 14 tournaments a year rather than 25. We shall see. Let me know, obviously. Felsafitness at hotmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on if Tommy would go. There was a small twist in the TaylorMade versus um, Costco lawsuit. Uh, I mentioned this last week, I think, or maybe the week before. Um, TaylorMade are taking Costco to court over their Kirkland Signature Islands. TaylorMade are saying they look too much like their TaylorMade P790s, that the insert inside behind the face is far too similar, blah, 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 blah. And my response to this last week was, after seeing My Golf Spy, thank you, My Golf Spy, you're a great source of 
of news and interest to my life and to this show. But they cut a seven iron of a tailor-made P790 and the Kirkland signature iron in half. And if I'm anyone with eyes, I would go, well, those irons are very different. The tailor-made has a very thin face. The urethane insert is very nice, very well shaped. They have a speed pocket that runs along the sole. The Kirkland Signature, you can go and take a look at this yourself. Just search My Golf Spy. You'll find on their Instagram page or whatever about a search for tailor-made casing iron being cut in half. And the Kirkland Signature iron has got a really thick face. It's got, I'd say, a chunk of whether that be TPU or, you know, whatever it may be in behind the face. But their lofts are very different. The face is very different. They don't have a speed pocket. It's a very different iron, in my opinion. Just looking at it visually, it's a very different iron. It might be along the same lines of uh, design philosophies. Um, and apparently these irons are designed, the guy that's done them came from Callaway. So, you know, whatever. But TaylorMade said it's infringing on some patents that they've got. But some interesting news that I found out, again, from uh, Tony Covey from, from My Golf Spy, uh, a No Puts Given podcast, um, actually mentioned this. And I, I couldn't recall it, but I, I did check it out. And when the TaylorMade P790 came out, which is what this, this lawsuit is based around, a company sued TaylorMade, and that company was PXG. So PXG actually took TaylorMade to court saying that their P790, the original design of those irons, looked far too similar to theirs, and that was settled out of court. Now, from what they said and what I can probably deduce is that PXG went, okay, so we're going to borrow a little bit from here with the speed pocket, uh, and you can borrow the thermoplastic behind the face. A little bit of giving, a little bit of taking, out of court, everybody's happy life moves on um and as i said i think TaylorMade are only going after costco because they can see bricks and mortar stores not just in america but around the world um whereas my defense for for costco would be go on to any wish uh, again i mentioned this last week james robinson on youtube bought a fake set of TaylorMade p770s from wish.com and those P770s had fake AD shafts in, and they were awful. They were meant to be like stiff or extra stiff. Um, the shafts were whippier than, you know, a dog's lead. They were clearly fake. And if I was Kirkland, I'd just go and buy a set of P770s or P790s from Wish and Alibaba and, and wherever. Uh, Timu, they're on Timu. Um, because I've looked, go and buy them from there, take them into court, enter them as evidence and say, so you're going to stop us from doing, making an iron that looks nothing like yours, but you're allowing the sale of these clubs uh, on these three sites without re recourse. Um, let us know what you think. Do you think TaylorMade have a case? Because from what I can see, I don't think they do. I think it's going to get thrown out 
or it's certainly going to be the case of Costco do what I've just said and go, well, you're only chasing us because of this. You were chased because of that. All irons are very similar, but you can see clearly from the, the, the small investigation that this one website has done, these irons are very, very different. Again, let us know what you think. Fitness at hotmail.com. And the final news story for this week, interesting. Um, obviously, waste management, as I said, is one of my favorite tournaments to watch. It's a very interesting golf course. I played a lot when I play on my uh, my virtual headset on my Quest. I just love the golf course. It's so much more fun, to, so much fun to play. Uh, and obviously, that 16th hole is iconic. But third round, the waste management at Phoenix had to shut the gates and stop people from coming in. They expected over 700,000, there's close to the 800,000 people turned up to watch that event over the weekend. Um, and it was chaos. On the second round, someone fell from the stands around 16. So that stands uh, uh, probably there's close to like 15 or 20 or 30,000 people packed in those stands around that 16th green. And someone actually fell off that stand. They stopped serving alcohol at one point as well on Saturday. So, you know, wow. <laughs> and of course, on, um, on Saturday as well, they also had a fan in the 16th greenside bunker doing a sand angel. Um, so things got a little bit out of control. They stopped selling alcohol. They stopped people coming into the course. You know, waste management is, is a great event. And if we were to go back, what, 12 months ago, 18 months ago, 12 months, 12 months ago, they had a hole-in-one on the Friday and another hole-in-one on the Saturday. And on the Saturday, on multiple occasions, there were beer cans and bottles thrown onto the green in celebration or disgust or whatever it may be. And it was taking 15, 20 minutes and play was held up by at least an hour, if not an hour and a half, because fans were throwing stuff onto the green. Um, which they've, they've said, look, don't, don't do that again or we'll throw you out, which is fair enough, but you know, sometimes these little party holes get out of hand and they've just got to rein it in. And some people just don't have the mentality of, well, I don't care. Because I'm pretty sure if I went along and I just jammed my putter into the green about 50 times, you know, toe down and walked away, left it. That's kind of what these fans are doing when they're throwing cans of beer and bottles of beer onto the green. They're ruining that for the players and the players that are coming in are in a chance for the tournament. They're just making their lives harder. They're not making it better. They're just making it harder. So what are your opinions on that? Do you think waste management did the right thing? You know, do they think they need to scale back that 16th tee um, and stop people from getting there? Because people queue from 1 a.m. to get in at 5.30 a.m. And it's a lot of like, so, uh, from what I can gather, it's a lot of uh, like sororities and stuff like that. Or, you know, they send their, their, their juniors out to go and get seats on this stand and then they'll swap over halfway or when the others get there, they'll swap out. 
where they're sitting. It's interesting. Like I said, I love the tournament. It's where I start watching golf, but do they need to just manage themselves a little bit better at the waste management? I think they do. Okay, then we're almost up to time. Like I say, each week, oh, I'll give you some interesting stories. I want to give you where they're going to be playing. And obviously my fitness tip, this is the last bit. I'm going to mumble on a little bit now. So for those of you who've been waiting for the golf tip, it's all about course management this week. Um, I've been asked this quite a bit. And going back to the start of the show, I mentioned that I have, I run a, it's a two driver and two wedge system, two set different sets of wedges. So in the winter, I like a driver with a bit more loft, gets a bit more height. So obviously it launches higher into denser air, but will carry a little bit farther. In the summer, I like a lower ball flight, uh, a little bit more piecing. So when it lands, it's going to bound on. We all want that. But it won't bound on here in Mud Island in the UK because it's just going to be, you know, from about the end of October till the beginning of March. It's just like, a, you know, it's like being in a rainforest. Um, so that's the driver side. That's the bigger top end of the bag. And the bottom end of the bag, I tend to have uh, a couple of wedges that are in winter. I have, I have two wedges that have got a lot more bounce. So I have like a, a 10 degree 52 wedge and a 14 degree 56 degree wedge. So it's a lot of bounce to get me out in the mud, etc., etc. So I tend to use the 52 out of bunkers too, because it's a little bit sharper leading edge with the bunkers being wet. And obviously with the, the sand and the chipping round greens and stuff like that, 56 is quite helpful if you're in a bit of a nasty lie. That extra bounce helps you. You can use that bounce to get under the ball and get, get the ball in the air. And then when you come to summer, I, I, I still, that 52 is in the bag, but not used as much. Uh, and then I go to a, 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 a like eight degree bounce, 58 degree, or I've got a nine degree bounce, 60 degree wedge. So those are the two setups that I have, depending on how I'm playing and what I'm playing and where I'm playing. I have those, so a little bit less bounce in the summer because obviously the hard pan, you're not going to be able to get the bounce under the ball. And then in the winter when it's a little bit wet, I need a little bit more bounce, a little bit more forgiveness to get the ball gone. <clears throat> but obviously course management in, isn't just about the clubs in your bag. Um, and I, I, I've spoken to a couple of, of clients the, over the recent weeks and talking about knowing your distances. So obviously, I like to test. I will do all my testing beginning of March. I won't really start playing until March at all. Um, so March, I will be looking at distances. I'll be looking at, you know, driver down to gap wedge. That's what I'll be doing is driver down to gap wedge. And I'll be looking at total distance average. And I'll also be looking carry distance average. Um, and some people have said, well, I know it goes, you know, I've had a five yard, six yard difference in carry in, in total distance. 
I said, well, that's good. You know that. I said, well, how far does it carry? Um, and that's what they've got to go and work on now. Because, for instance, if I hit a 9-iron, I know I hit a 9-iron about 130. Uh, so 9-iron goes about 130. Tug. But it carries 122. 122 to 125, depending on conditions. So if I've got a shot that's, you know, 100, I've got to carry... There's a bunker at 120. I'm thinking if I slightly miss hit that, it's a little bit short. It's in the bunker. So if I hit it pure, I'm going to carry that. But if I don't, I might be at risk of putting myself in that bunker. So I will just hit a nut eight iron. It'll be a chippy eight iron, like three quarter eight iron that goes 145 normally. This eight iron is going to go. I'm just going to do a little three quarter eight iron. That's going to fly. Make sure it flies 130. So I'm taking fifth down, going down the grip, short stance. That's 10, 10 to 15 yards, 10, 10 yards off. Three quarter swing takes another five yards off. So for 145, I'm now flying this eight iron 130. And this is where the difference between that single-figured player who knows how far they can carry and how how much their yardage varies and picking a club for that shot rather than just going, I'm going to hit 9-iron and put it in the bunker because you haven't quite hit it. And, you know, knowing your distance, I mean, to know your distance, getting yourself something like a shot scope, which I love, I love. I've got two shot scopes now. I've got a watch and I've got the little clip-on tab. Uh, and they're fantastic things to have in your bag. They will record your scores, your distances. This is a little bit of feeling. I think since they updated it with version three, the app got a little bit daft in terms of being able to use it. Uh, adjusting shots became a bit of a pain. But if you stick with it, it's not every shot you're having to adjust. Um, but you can just, uh, you know, stick with it. It'll tell you your playing average, your, your average drive, your playing average drive and your longest drive and longest with each and every club that you've got to tag in. And after five, 10 rounds, you'll know exactly how far everything's going, what you're using them for and when you use them. And it's a great thing to have. It's another thing to have in your course management and your arsenal. But like I say, knowing your distance with a rangefinder is all well and good and working that out. But if you've just used a dozen golf balls to play the last six rounds, you've got a load of stats, and then you, you switch from a Pro V1 to a TaylorMade Distance Plus. Two very different golf balls. The spin profile, that you know, a three-piece urethane covered golf ball to a two-piece Serling covered golf ball. You need to pick your equipment now. And this is why I say to a lot of people, sort of January to March, this is a point where new equipment comes out. You might buy a new driver. You might buy new irons. You might buy new wedges. You might even buy a new putter. And the ball that you're currently using, 
that you're happy with or the ball that you tested those clubs and those irons with, those wedges with, is the ball you need to continue to use. If the mother-in-law bought you two, three dozen Pro V1s two years ago or three years ago, those balls are a very different golf ball to what they are now. Getting hold of that type of golf ball is going to be very difficult. So be staying up to date with your golf ball and making sure you have enough of those golf balls coming in or a stock of those golf balls, which is going to be a problem for five years' time because in five years' time, all the golf ball rules will change. But if you're a person that loses a lot of golf balls, picking something like a tailor-made distance or a Titleist True Feel at 20, 25 quid a box is going to be a better option than spending 50 and 60 pound a box. But make sure that that's the only ball in your bag and they're all bought at the same time, the same model, same brand. Because if you hit a Pro V1, oh, this driver's not performing now. I was getting 250 yards in the bay. I was getting 250 yards last week, and I don't understand it. It's because the TaylorMade golf ball is very compressing. It's compressing too much compared to the Pro V1. It's spinning really high, and it's not giving you the, the rebound factor. It's compressing too much. It's squishing, and it's basically dead in the air, whereas the Pro V1 was compressing enough and giving you more rebound off the face and was hotter, more ball speed, more distance. Whereas this, this tailor-made ball is getting squished at 70, 70 compression, for instance, compared to the Pro V1's 90 compression. You're really squishing that golf ball. And it's like, you know, like throwing, like squishing, like throwing a balloon. Instead of throwing a hard football, you're throwing a balloon. And the difference is they're very different constructions. They're not going to be, and they're going to be different. So you need to bear that in mind in terms of your course management. So we've talked about knowing your distances in terms of total distance and carry. We've talked about keeping the same golf ball and not changing it. If you use the X ball when you tested it, that's the ball you need to use for the rest of the year to keep those numbers up. And like I say, for instance, you know, course management, we've got that sorted. But there's no point going, well, okay, I'm on a 430-yard par four. My ball goes 210 yards off the tee, and my three-wood goes 180 yards off the deck. So you stonky drive 210. It, it leaves you 220 into the green. But into that green, there's a bit, there's a lake bridge. It's... You know, it's 25 yards to get over the lake. So risk award hole at 430 yards. You know you've gone 210. So 180 yards is going to put you at 390. Well, 375 to 400 yards, that 25 yards is basically death. <laughs> so if you add 210 and 180 together, that's 390. That 390 puts you smack bang in the middle of that water or bunker, or hazard, whatever it may be, you're in it. So you've got to make a decision then. And that decision is, you know, do I hit a soft three wood? Because, you know, the soft three wood might end up in a chunk, 
or if you do pure that three wood, it's in the rubbish. But you've got a five iron that goes 160 yards. And that's the option you should take. So you've hit 210 off the tee. You've got 220 in. It's two, you know, it's 190 yards to hit the front of the green. But in between the front of that green and 375 yards, there's a hazard or bunker or whatever it may be in the way. You can't hit your three wood. You can't hit it soft. You probably can't hit it 180 anyway. You know it goes 180 off the deck, but you can't hit that because it's going to be in the rubbish. So then you ideally want to be as close as you can to that hazard without being in it. So your next club down is a five iron. That five iron goes 160. So 160 plus 210 is 370. It's highly unlikely you're going to absolutely pure it. You just want to hit a smooth five iron, get it close to that hazard, and that leaves you a 60-yard chip. A 30, 30 to 60-yard 30, 30 chip to get it to the middle of the green or front of the green. So that's what I mean. Course management isn't just about knowing your distances. It's about knowing the course that you're playing. And something like um, Swing U is a fantastic tool. You can just look on for free. You can go and pick a golf course and go and look at it from whatever tees. You can go, okay, and you can draw a little line and know that off the tee, the bunker is 210 that crosses the fairway. So you might want to hit a three wood 180, leaves you 125 in. Or if you're a big hitter, you might even be able to go for the go for the green or get it up close to the bunkers near to the green. So you need to make smart decisions. Don't just think about, um, oh, I hit it 210, that's 180. I can squeeze 190 out of it. You can't, no. Because then you, you, you take that 190, you hit the three wood, you put it in the water. That's, you know, you're now playing four as a drop. It's a par four. You've still got 60 yards. At best, you're going to get that up and down for a bogey. And at worst, you're going to get it on the green in three putt. And it's going to be an hour seven. Maybe even an eight but where you can take your driver, five iron, wedge it onto the green, and two putt for a bogey, you've taken the worst out of it. You know you can't reach. And being realistic, I think a lot of people I've seen, especially over the last, early in this year, is they're unrealistic with where, how far they hit the ball, how far they think they hit their irons, how consistently they hit their irons. You know, they hit a five iron, 210 once, and now 210 stock yardage. No. I'll tell you a little story before I go. I hit. I was in Skegness. There's a North Shore hotel and golf course. They have a hole. Uh, it's a par four. The hill is horrendous. It's James Braid. It's straight uphill. You can hit a drive at the hill, but it'll roll 30 yards down it. Uh, it's a 375-yard par four. To carry the apex of the hill... It is actually 270 yards. It's on th there's a tier and then the lip and then it rolls down to the green. I hit my driver 
I clipped the under the, the branch of a tree and it ended up going, I think it went about 110, 115 yards, something stupid like that. So I still had 200 and 220 to go. I've absolutely ripped a seven iron to the top of the, I was just trying to get it to the top of the hill or somewhere close. It's actually gone straight over the hill and it's actually gone through the back of the green. I hit that seven iron 230 yards. But in reality, the ball's only really gone about 155. Because you take the hill out of it, it's 155 yards. But you've got to go uphill to come downhill. But do I class my 7 iron as 210 yards? No, but some people do. So be realistic, people. Course management is a massive thing. You need to know your total distance, your carry distance, and you also need to know distances to hazards. And being realistic with, oh, I can drive it 250 when really it's 210. My three wood goes 200 when it's really 180. So hitting driver three wood with a 25 yard hazard or lake in front of a green, you're just going to stick it straight in there. Be realistic. That's the best tip I can be. Be absolutely brutally honest with yourself or at least have a playing partner that will talk you out of stuff when you're being stupid. If you've had a good round, or even if you're having a bad round, you need to have someone there to go, just put that away. <laughs> and you need to have the common sense to go, I can't hit this shot. Hitting a worldy, hitting a three wood 200 yards once every 15 shots isn't your stock yardage. And that's pretty much it. Thank you for listening to the show. Take some of that course management advice on board. What do you think of Tommy Fleetwood potentially going to live last live? What do you think about uh, the PXG information and the TaylorMade versus uh, Costco case? Do you think waste management needs to just calm down the 16th green and take away some of those 300 boxes around that green? Let me know, failsafefitness at hotmail.com. If you do want any fitness, nutrition, or golf performance lessons, three for two, 20 pounds an hour, 40 pounds for three, maximum of three purchased at any one time, and you have a 90-day use rate. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you've had a good listen. Like, subscribe, and share with your friends, and I'll see you all again soon. Have a good week. Bye-bye.